Man, I love that. The cross has the final word. Amen? Has the final word. No matter what the devil may throw at you, the cross has the final word. Boy, that's good. Well, we have been looking at building families for his glory, forgiveness in the family. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I know we did. I ate healthy. I don't know about y'all, but I ate healthy at my house. I ate a lot of fruit. I had pumpkin, and I had cherries and potatoes and stuff like that. I ate good and healthy, so you no need to worry about your pastor eating wrongly. I ate healthy all week. I hope you did as well. We had a good time, great time with family. But it is good to be able to worship the Lord together. Uh, this morning. If you're a guest with us, I'm Pastor Joey, the lead pastor here, and it is a a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be able to stand before you and preach God's Word week after week. We've been going through a series about building families for His glory. This whole year has been about for His glory, the glory of God, and so we're seeking to build families uh, all about who we are. Everything about us is to be for His glory, and our families are to be for His glory as well. So we've been going through a series about the family, and today we're going to sort of turn a little bit of a corner as we think about the family still, but we're thinking about within the family, some things that need to be done within families, and we're looking at forgiveness in the family. Ah, we think about forgiveness. I think about a story about old, a fellow by the name of Old Joe who was dying, and for years he'd been at odds with his good friend Bill, uh, who had been one of his best friends, but... Uh, As uh, Joe was dying and wanted to straighten things out, he sent word for Bill to come and see him. They had been at odds with each other for some time. And when Bill arrived, Joe told him that he was afraid to go into eternity with such a bad feeling between them. And so then very reluctantly, with great effort, Joe apologized for the things that he had said and he had done. He also assured Bill that he forgave him for his offenses. Everything seemed fine. Until Bill turned to go, and as he was about to walk out of the room, Joe called out after him and said, Hey, but Bill, but remember, if I get better, this doesn't count. (laughs) Well, we don't need friends that forgive quite like that. But as we think about our holiday season, Thanksgiving and holidays, and having relatives at a close proximity of us, sometimes we realize that forgiveness may be needed as we have those times together. Everybody is... Someone once said has a crazy uncle or a crazy aunt or crazy cousin or somebody that just knows how to push the right buttons in our life that causes us heartache and difficulty. And so maybe in our lives, in these situations, forgiveness is needed as we think about those people and think about what we've done to them, maybe what they've done to us. But as we think about forgiveness in the family, Jesus told a parable about forgiveness. And we're going to look at it in Matthew Chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. We're going to read this passage of Scripture. It's a powerful parable that our Lord spoke as he is answering a question that Peter asked. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. And so if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage to you. It is uh, the Word of God. And so we stand in honor and reverence to it being read. And so in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, it says this. And then Peter came to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he'd begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. 
But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, that his wife and children, all that he had, and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. We'd love to, for the story to end there, but it doesn't. We pick up verse 28. But that servant then went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then this master, after he'd called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I've had pity on you? His master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And so my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we uh, pause as we think about this passage of Scripture, and we pray that you would use this to prick our hearts where we've grown callous, where there has been unforgiveness in our lives, where we have pressed it down and uh, tried to overlook. Lord, may you bring it to our minds today that as your people, here is your command. And so, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in us. I pray that you would guide us and direct us as we think about forgiveness in the family. And, Lord, may you have your way in this family as well. And, Lord, we pray that may the words of my mouth, meditation, my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline there in your bulletin. And we're going to walk through here. But as we look at our passage today and think about forgiveness, we need, to need, we need to notice some things here in this parable. And the first thing that we need to see here is we think about this parable that Jesus has just told about uh, this great story uh, is exceeding debt. Exceeding debt. And we're thinking about someone who's done something to someone else, as Peter has asked the question. And so as you see that uh, that. Uh, blank that needs to be filled in that point, exceeding debt, you might be thinking, yes, pastor, preach it. A preach about the exceeding debt, the exceeding debt that they owe me for what they have done to me. How my cousin or my uncle or my child or my parent or my grandparent, how they owe me a great deal. They stole my holiday. They ruined my Thanksgiving because of their selfish attitude or their crass comments or their language or their argumentative spirit. Whatever it may be. Yes, Pastor, let's talk about the exceeding debt that they owe to me. Well, I'm afraid you might be sorely disappointed at where we're going here with this. We want to see and hear what Jesus says as we think about this exceeding debt. In verses 23 through 25, again, look at that passage of Scripture. Jesus is responding to Peter's question. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and the payment be made. 
So Jesus is telling this parable that it is time to settle accounts. And this man, whoever he is, this servant of the king, he owes much. He has an exceeding debt. The Bible here says it's 10,000 talents. Now understand that that is an untold amount of money. That the number 10,000 itself was the highest number used in that day. So this was beyond comprehension for this kind of money to be owed to someone. One commentator compared it to an entry-level wage earner promising to pay off the national debt of the U.S. by himself. That sort of gives you an idea of how great a debt this was. And of course, what we know here is that this servant could not begin to pay off his debt in a thousand lifetimes or even a hundred thousand lifetimes. His debt is more than he could pay. Y'all with me this morning? Say amen. And so what we find in verse 25 then is that he was not able to pay. It says that his master, the king, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment be made. Be made. And so we see he, there's no way he could pay, but the master, the king, was going, to, was going to sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, all that he had and all of who he was, and it still would not begin to cover the debt. It was more than he could pay. It was impossible to pay this exceeding debt. Now let's, let's think about this for a moment. We think about when people have done something to us, we want them to pay. But in reality, in our own minds, it'll never be enough. We want them to pay, but we can't get them to pay enough. I can never pay back my holiday, we think. I can, and they need to pay what they've done to me. They need to apologize. They need to grovel. Let me hang it over their head for a little while. They need to pay what they have done to me. But now here we find Jesus is not getting Peter to think about how much his brother owes him, but rather how much the servant owes the king. And in this parable, who's the king? The king is Jesus. And the servant, who's the servant? The servant is Peter. And what we see Jesus doing here is beginning to remind Peter of his own debt. But also, it's not only Peter, but it's you and me, too. It should be a, reminded, a, a reminder to us as well that we are also that servant who owes an exceeding debt to the king. All of us here have an exceeding debt to the king. So before we can think about the exceeding debt that we feel that someone owes us because of how they have ruined my dinner or ruined my family time or ruined my family or my holiday, we must first consider and remember something else, and that is we must remember our own exceeding debt. What are you talking about, Pastor? I don't have a debt. I mean, my bills are paid. I don't have any debt at all. Well, no, we're not talking about that kind of debt. We're talking about this debt is a sin debt, S-I-N, sin debt. And you see, our sin has separated us from our king. And our wages, the wages, the penalty of our sin is death. The Bible says that, 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 is, that the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. That our rebellion, our pride, our disobedience, our breaking his law, no matter how small, has broken fellowship with our creator. And because we are accountable to our creator, the one who has created us, we must give an accounting for our life. And if we have sinned, and if we have sinned, and by the way, we all have, then we are in debt, exceeding debt. And it is a debt that is beyond, listen, it's a debt beyond than what we can pay. 
You see, as sinners, the Bible tells us that as sinners, we are condemned already and abiding under the wrath of God. But pastor, you don't understand. You see, I am a good guy. I don't sin. I never killed anybody. I never treated, uh, treated people wrongly. I have never done anything. Uh, I've never committed adultery. I've had an affair against my wife or my husband. I don't sin. Well, the Bible says it sees it a little bit differently. It says that all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. Well, maybe I've told a white lie, just a little lie, one time. Beloved, the Bible says that if you're guilty, if you break one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. We're guilty. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. And so in the parable, this servant owed a great debt to the king, a debt that could not possibly be paid. It was impossible as it is with us. We owe this debt to our king. We see, then we see the king does something as the servant owes the king a tremendous amount of debt that he could never pay in a thousand lifetimes or a hundred thousand lifetimes. The king then does something that simply boggles the mind. He does something that is beyond our comprehension. The king, the master, does something that really in our minds it makes no sense. It doesn't compare to anything that we have ever heard or ever known. And what he does is he reveals the second point, which is his extravagant grace. The king reveals his extravagant grace to this servant who owes him more than he could ever begin to pay back. In verse 26 and 27, let's look at the extravagant grace of the king. And so he had all this debt, and the servant therefore fell down before him, the master of the king, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Just give me a little more time, and I'll be able to pay this debt. I don't think so. The master knows that. The king knows that. Verse 27, And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Wow. This servant falls down, pleads for more time, and he does something, the master does something so magnificent that in reality it staggers us. He forgives the debt. He what? You said this was an astronomical amount of debt. And yet the master forgives the debt? He does. You mean after all that he has been and what all that he has done to rack up such a debt, there had to be a careless lifestyle, there had to be a reckless way of living, undisciplined way of living his life, and yet the master knowing this has forgiven the debt. Well, that's what we see here in verse 27. We see it unfold that he forgives the debt. He says that the master was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. And so what we see here is we see the extravagant grace of the king, the extravagant grace of the master. We see the character of the king. We see in these three things that he had compassion on the servant. This, This compassion is a love, an empathy that reaches out. The same word here, compassion, that we find that he was moved with compassion is the same word that is used of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6 that says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion 
for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It's not pity, but rather it is a love. It is his heart that is reaching out and of compassion for these who need it. He has compassion. He releases him. He is moved with compassion. He releases him. He released him. He freed him. In other words, the king gave him the freedom from the bondage of the debt that he owed. The burden was lifted. It no longer had a stranglehold on this servant. The king was merciful to him as he did not give him what he deserved, but he released him instead of making him pay his debt. And then we see not only did he have compassion and release him, but he forgave the debt. He sent the debt away. Literally, He sent the debt away, meaning he completely canceled the debt as if there was not, never a debt. It's starting fresh. The slate is clean. He was gracious. He shows his grace to him and gave him what he did not deserve, which was his freedom. But at the same time, let's understand something else about this debt that the king has forgiven of the servant. Man, what extraordinary grace. But understand that just because the debt was erased from the servant, that doesn't mean that the debt is gone. There's still a debt. There's still 10,000 talents that are missing, that are gone. So there's still an amount owed. And so who pays the debt? The king took the debt upon himself. The king takes the debt upon himself. What extravagant grace. This man, no matter what his lifestyle was, who owed such a great debt, the king has been moved with compassion, released him, and forgiven his debt, meaning that he now takes the debt upon himself. Of course, this is what Jesus will reveal to Peter in time in his life, but also what Jesus has shown to us. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, here's what I'm talking about. You see, we owed a debt we could not pay, but someone must pay the debt of sin. And there is only one Listen, there's only one who is able to pay our debt, and it is the king, King Jesus. Amen? Only King Jesus can pay that debt for us. The sinless Son of God born of flesh. So Jesus took the exceeding debt that we owed and revealed his extraordinary, extravagant grace toward us and paid that debt for us on the cross of Calvary. Do we deserve it? We do not. We do not deserve his grace. We deserve rather the torment of having to pay it ourselves for all of eternity in a place called hell because we rebelled against holy God and our creator. But instead, Jesus went to the cross and he paid the debt that he did not owe for us who owed a debt that we could not pay. And so what did Jesus do for us? He had compassion for us. He released us and forgave the debt. He showed us love, a love that reaches out to us. He showed us how he frees us and and he releases us and the burden is lifted and he forgives the debt, completely counseling our sin debt as if there was never a debt. But the story doesn't end here because Jesus is getting to the answer of Peter's question. And Peter's question, if you remember, at the beginning part of this passage of scripture is, how often do I forgive my brother? In other words, Peter is asking Lord Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive someone who's done something to me? How many times do I forgive them when they've done things to me? And so Jesus takes the parable further when we see, thirdly, the earthly retaliation. 
and we see the earthly retaliation of the servant. In verses 28 through 30, we see it says, but that servant, the one who has just been released from his debt, forgiven of his debt, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. And so this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. The servant wouldn't. But he went and he threw him into the prison until he should pay the debt. Wow. But I read this story and I think about that servant and I think, man, what a sorry sort of fella is this? Amen? I mean, don't you think that about this servant? I mean, he has been forgiven of a debt that is beyond anything they could ever think about paying back. And this man who owes him, he goes out and he finds the one who owes him a hundred denarii, which is about a fourth of a year's wages. About, um, you know, a hundred denarii is about a day's wage. And so it's about a hundred days wages. And he goes to him and, who, and, he wants, and he wants his money. And he wants it now. After the king has just forgiven him of that exceeding debt, he wouldn't forgive a fellow servant that debt was owed to him? What ingratitude. What selfishness. What a sorry sort of fellow this servant is. Jesus has a purpose for telling this story. Are you picking up what he's putting down? You tracking what he's saying here? Amen? Hmm. So let's look at how this servant also treats this fellow who's a fellow servant to him. He drags him by the throat. Roman law allowed the creditor to grab a person by the throat and drag them to court for justice. Whereas this servant also, this servant who's indebted to the other servant, also asked for time, the unforgiving servant now, and says, Oh no, oh no buddy, you owe me a hundred denarii and you are going to pay one way or another. You owe me... And you are going to pay one way or another. I wonder, does that sound familiar? Does that ring any bells for anybody? Well, it should because that's you and that's me and that's all of us in our flesh. But the question by Peter was, how many times do I need to forgive? How much forgiveness should I give? And Jesus answers with the parable that that asks us the question... How much have you been forgiven? So Peter's asking the question, so how much am I supposed to forgive? How often? And he thought he was doing pretty good because he said seven times. Because the rabbis in that day said, you know, three times was probably, if you go three times, man, that is really, really good. So Peter was taking it up a notch or two and said, what about if it's seven times? Lord, certainly this is how we're supposed to forgive. And Jesus says, wait a minute. It's beyond that. You want to know how much you're supposed to forgive someone who's done something to you? Well, here's the question. Just how much have you been forgiven? Amen? How much have you been forgiven? You know, we don't, we don't really want to hear that, though, do we? Well, we don't want to hear that. We, you know, we insist. We think about what people have done to us, how people have hurt us, how people have said things to us who have, who have done us wrong in the marketplace or in the workplace or in our homes or even in the church. And we insist that what someone has done to us is beyond the pale and they must pay. And so what we do as human beings in the flesh is that we do all within our power to make them pay. 
We argue with them, or we fight with them, or we sue them maybe, or we ignore them, or we may shun them, or we may tell everybody about how awful they, how awful they are and the awful things that they did to me and how much they owe me because we want them to pay. But in reality, we're doing nothing to make them pay, but instead we're the ones who are paying. As we hold on to that burden, it's still a burden. Y'all tracking? Y'all following? You understand? If we hold on to that burden, it's still a burden. I love the story I was reading the other day about two monks who were walking together through the countryside. They were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. And as they walked, they spied an old woman who was sitting on the edge of a river. And she was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across on her own. And so that first monk, well, he kindly offered to the lady, he said, we will carry you across if you would like for us to. And she said, well, thank you, she said gratefully, accepting their help. And so the two men then, the two monks, they joined hands and lifted her between them and carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way. And then the two men, after they'd walked another mile or so, that second monk began to complain. He said, look at my clothes. Look at how filthy they are from carrying that woman across the river. And you know what? My, my back, man, it started to hurt from lifting her. and I can feel it starting to get stiff. But that first monk, well, he just smiled and nodded his head. A few more miles up the road, that second monk, well, you know what he did. He griped again. My, my back is killing me so bad. And it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I can't go any further because of the pain. And he laid down on the ground and was moaning and grumbling. Well, the first monk, he looked down at his fellow monk and he said, Have you wondered, have you wondered why I'm not complaining? And he said, I'm not complaining because your back hurts because you're still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. You see, friends, listen. That's what many of us are like and we're dealing with our families. We're that second monk who just cannot let go. We hold the pain of the past over our loved one's heads like a club, and we remind them every once in a while when we want to get the upper hand of the burden that we still carry because of something that they did years ago. Beloved, I pray that that's no one here. But listen, continually wanting someone to, to make them pay is an earthly, fleshly retaliation. And as such, it is in direct opposition to who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. And it is sin against holy God. And so here's the lesson that we learn from what Jesus is teaching about forgiveness. As, as, people, as people who have been forgiven much, fourthly, we also should extend forgiveness. As we who have been forgiven much, we should also extend forgiveness. Look at verse 31 through 38. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, 
And they were very grieved. They came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he'd called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And so the master, the king, he condemns the servant's unforgiveness and tells him that he also should have shown mercy, just as he has shown mercy to him. Well, why should that servant show mercy? Well, because first off, he was a servant in his master's kingdom. And he follows the master's law. And this is the way the master is teaching. But secondly, it's because he had been forgiven much. He'd been forgiven much. And so he must extend forgiveness. I get it, Pastor. But how? I mean, you just, you just don't know what I've had to deal with. You, you don't know my family. You don't know what somebody said. You don't know what we had to deal with in our in our life group, in our church, in our home, in our workplace. You just don't have a clue. Well, no, I don't guess I do. But I do have the Word of God. And I do know what it says. And we need to get back to what the king has done for the servant in verse 27. Because he sets forth the example for those who have been forgiven much. And verse 27, it tells us again, the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him and he forgave him the debt. And so we are to extend forgiveness to whomever, whenever, however, someone has done something to us because we have been forgiven much. And so we see here, you must do the same, I must do the same too. As it says there in verse 27, to be moved with compassion. So in other words, if you have trusted Jesus Christ by faith, if you are a disciple of the Lord, you have been born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb, then His love, the love of God, abides within you. And as a child of God, the Holy Spirit then enables you to love with this kind of compassion. But so often people who have done wrong things to us are either lost or they are backslidden or they're hurting themselves. And we are to show compassion for them as being weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. We are moved with compassion, the compassion that we have that comes from the Lord that's within us, and we release them. In other words, quit hanging on to the burden. Let it go. Don't dwell on it and quit dredging it up. It has been said that part of forgiveness is to bury the hatchet. You ever heard that before? You need to bury the hatchet. You know, I looked that up this morning. Google is a wonderful thing at 6 o'clock in the morning. And that comes from, a, a, literally, from American Indian tradition years ago where chiefs of tribes would literally bury hatchets when they came to a peace agreement. So that's where we get that phrase from, to bury the hatchet. And that's part of forgiveness, of burying the hatchet. But for too many people, instead of burying the hatchet... They're willing to bury the hatchet, but to keep the handle sticking up so they can grasp it any time they want to get it. That is the flesh. That is the old nature. Beloved, listen, we are to release them. That Jesus has released us from our burden. You are to release that feeling of anger, that bitterness, that hurt, that unforgiveness that is like a pall over your life. And forgive the debt. Say, I forgive you. 
send it away. Bury it in the depths of the ocean, cancel it out, wipe the slate clean. I understand that's what I'm supposed to do, and, I, and I'll, I'll, do it, I'll do it. But what if? But what if they hurt me again? Do I keep forgiving them? Well, let's go back to the question. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times seven. So, Pastor, that means I need to count 490 times? No, that's not what that means at all. What that means is, is that your forgiveness is unending. You are to forgive in an unending manner because you have been forgiven and your forgiveness is unending. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that your forgiveness is unending? Pastor, I just don't know that I can forgive and move on. I just don't know that I can. I love the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles. And he's rejoicing how the gospel of Jesus Christ has made them, the Gentiles, fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ with the gospel. Meaning that now the Jews, God's chosen people, and the Gentiles are now both the people of God through Jesus Christ, that they are now one in him, that because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, Paul is rejoicing because now those who have been arch enemies against each other, now together they've been brought together, the two brought together, that Jesus has broken down the walls of separation that has been going on for generations and generations and generations. Jesus, because of the cross of Calvary, has broken down that wall of separation. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20, listen to these words. He says, For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Because of Jesus Christ, that you may know this great and awesome love that is beyond our understanding, and to be filled with the fullness of God. In verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul is saying, look, we've been brought together, Jew and Gentile alike, because of the love of Jesus Christ. And now he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, if he can bring together the Jew and the Gentile, he can do that in your life as well. No matter who you are at odds with, because the Lord Jesus dwells in you by faith through the Holy Spirit. He's at work in you. His power is at work in you. And he is the one who enables you to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And he is able to do that, not just down the road, but he's able to do that right now in your life. And all for his glory. Beloved, listen, let him have his way in you. 
For some, maybe you've not dealt with past hurts, but rather you've covered them over. But you've covered them over like a landmine. And if someone were to trip the wire, you'd be devastated and you'd blow up in anger yourself. If there's, listen, if there's any root of bitterness in you, root it out. If there's any unforgiveness, cut the wire of the landmine and do it only by the power of God who works in you. That same book, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see, friends, the Bible is clear. No matter how many times somebody's done something to us, we've been forgiven much. Let us continue to extend forgiveness. To forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And to not do so, listen, and to not do so is sin against holy God. It is rebellion against his grace. It is disobedience to your king. And it spits in the face of what he has done for you. Three things to do. Number one, realize your need for forgiveness. All of us need to be forgiven. We're all sinners in need of a savior. Receive his extravagant grace, knowing that he loves you, that he's been merciful to you. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, call out to him today in humble repentance and know that he loves you and he died for you and profess him as the Lord and Savior of your life as you turn to him. And then thirdly, resolve to forgive others and to be forgiven. Now, I have a real quick video clip. It's about two minutes, so bear with me. I know we're short on time. But I want you to see this clip. It's from a movie that came out a few years ago um, called Fireproof. It's about a man and his wife. He's a, he's a fireman, and they're at odds with each other. And he, they're about to have a divorce, but this man's father has convinced him to wait 40 days and do this love dare. And so he's at this pivotal moment where he's been about halfway through, I believe, this process. And he has an eye-opening experience. So let's take a look at this real quick. Caleb, if I were to ask you why you're so frustrated with Catherine, what would you say? She's stubborn. She makes everything difficult for me. She's ungrateful. She's constantly griping about something. And she thanks you for anything you've done the last 20 days? No. And you'd think after I washed the car, I changed the oil, do the dishes, clean the house, that she would try to show me a little bit of gratitude. Well, she doesn't. In fact, when I come home, she makes me feel like I'm, like I'm an enemy. I'm not even welcome in my own home, Dad. That is what really ticks me off. Dad, for the last three weeks, I have been over backwards for her. I have tried to demonstrate that I still care about this relationship. I bought her flowers, which she threw away. I have taken her insults and her sarcasm, but last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care about her, to show value for her, and she spat in my face. She does not deserve this, Dad. I am not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? That's a good question.
Dad, that is not what I'm doing. Isn't it? No. Dad, that is not what this is about. Son, you just asked me. How can someone show love over and over again when they're constantly rejected? Caleb, the answer is, you can't love her because you can't give her what you don't have. I couldn't truly love your mother until I understood what love really was. It's not because I get some reward out of it. I've now made a decision to love your mother whether she deserves it or not. Son, God loves you even though you don't deserve it. Even though you've rejected him. Spat in his face. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment for your sin. Because he loves you. The cross was offensive to me until I came to it. But when I did, Jesus Christ changed my life. You see, friends, listen. You can't truly forgive somebody unless you've been forgiven first by the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't truly love until you know the love of Christ in your own heart and life. But when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, there is something now that dwells within you, His Spirit, who enables you to forgive even those who are the closest to you, who've hurt you the deepest. And you can forgive because He enables you to forgive. And He has forgiven you for very much. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you have your way in our hearts and lives. Maybe there's the underlying unforgiveness in our hearts and lives today that you have brought to our minds that we need to repent of and turn over to you and ask you to have your way in our hearts and lives today, to be moved with compassion, to release them, and to forgive the dead. May you have your way in our hearts and lives, Lord, as we come to this invitation to release these to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing, Jesus paid it all. I'll be here at the front. Pastor Joe's here as well. We're glad to pray with you. If you want to come pray silently, you come. God's dealt with your heart today.